It's 4 a.m. Another nightmare. This one about a boy. He murdered his father. And I suspect he murdered me as well. But I don't remember that. What I remember are the birds. Large, black birds that blotted out the sky. They were all over the place. They... Doesn't matter. My throat's dry and I need some water. Might as well stay up too. No point in sleeping anymore. I've already mentioned that I really, really hate dreams. Lately, they seem to be having it out for me. Someone's outside my door. I can see the light shifting beneath it. Could be my neighbor. He gets drunk sometimes and forgets which door is his. It's amazing how hard it is to find the right door when you're wasted. What the hell? They just slipped something under my door. Some kind of envelope. Hey, who are you? <sighs> I probably should chase after them. Uh, I'm too tired for that. No, I'd better just see what it is that they left me. It's a large brown envelope. Unmarked. <laughs> Thing is stuffed with Have You Seen Me flyers for Samantha Winters. Looks like they've been collecting them for a long time. What's this? Find the gray rooms. <laughs> That's it. Just a piece of paper with that written on it. The hell's that mean? The gray rooms. You know what's crazy? All my horrific nightmares feature gray rooms. And I don't tell anyone about the dreams. Why does it feel like whoever left this knows about him? <laughs> okay, so this isn't a dream. Now I wish I'd chase that guy down. Hey, Delphi. Hello. What can I do for you, Jake? What are the gray rooms? No, no, these are about paint and decor. Show me cults and gray rooms. The best paint colors with cult followings. What? No, what about... <sighs> Forget it. <sighs> I don't know. I need a coffee and a hot shower. 
Maybe after that, this will all make sense. Oh. I have a meeting this morning with Frank Burkhart. Nice guy on the phone, but sounded kind of weary. He joined the Unity crowd because they provided job security. But, well, he's one of the lucky ones. He got out. From the sound of it, he saw Samantha while he was there. I need this lead. Badly. I have to touch base with Samantha's family and they're going to want to hear something. Anything, really. To keep that dream that their daughter is still... Alive. Rise and Shine Cafe. Frank Burkhardt is sitting right across from me in a worn booth seat. It's red. And I can't help but think of the red duct tape that covers over the large tear in the vinyl against his back. The cocoa? It's decent. Eggs are too runny. I'm tired. And Frank's mustache is out of control. So Frank, why'd you leave the church? You know that feeling you get when something bad's gonna happen? <laughs> All the time. Yeah, I had that. Every day. Like I did something bad, you know? It seemed alright at first, you know? Really organized. Really inviting. But when you start to look at the people, the ones in charge, Man, oh man, whew. I kept getting the creeps. So you left because something felt off? I left because I felt... Look, it's just what I kept feeling, like something was wrong with them. I don't... You're gonna think I'm pulling your leg. But I am serious. I don't remember a lot of the shit that happened. I try to, but... I just, when I try to really think about the Church of the One, it's just... What do you remember? Worship. I remember that a lot. You don't really pray like you do at other churches. It's almost like uh, meditation. I remember we had chores. They'd assign them to you every week. And they'd usually mix them up so you don't get bored. I remember recreation. You know, like playing basketball with some of the guys. Doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, but I think I saw something. Some, something I wasn't supposed to. What did you see? That's just it. I don't remember. I remember that it really upset me. I remember going to my superior about it. To tell her what I saw and... Who was it that you spoke to? The girl on those missing posters. You called her... More coffee, hun? What? Uh, sure, yeah, uh, thanks. How about you, sugar? You had the hot cocoa? I'm okay. All right, I'll be back with that coffee. 
Her name's Samantha, you were saying? Yeah, that's it. Hello, rise and shine. She was pretty up there, you know? Yeah. Two eggs, I had to go through her to talk to... Toasted? You got it, honey. You know. Okay, see you in the few. The Rev. Uh, Hicks. Yeah, that's him. I don't remember if I saw him or not. You know, it's... To be honest, I just remember going back to work after I talked with her, and I felt better. Well, I didn't exactly feel better, but I felt like something was taken care of, you know? But you eventually left. Sorry about that. Here's your warm-up, hun. Thanks. Ugh. I should have gotten the cocoa. This tastes like shit. Ugh. This tastes burnt. So, I have a lot of gaps in memory. And, I have a lot of unsettling feelings, you know, about the people in the church. So yeah, I got the hell out of there. It's, it's not a good place. I had a friend that warned me about joining, and... I should have listened. So, where did you meet Samantha at? There was this old hotel in the city. The Rev owns it. A really fancy place. It's where he has all his meetings. Great. Which hotel? What? You alright, Frank? You look like you've seen a ghost. I need the name of the hotel. I don't... I don't feel so... Frank. Frank. Holy shit. Help. Help. Where the hell's the goddamn waitress? I can't believe it. Frank's dying. I'm standing around like an idiot and the waitress is nowhere to be found. Hey, Delphi. What can I help you with? Call 911. Shit. Two of the Rev's thugs just came inside. Black suits and ties. They're armed and pointing their guns at me. I can hear the ringtone. 911's gonna pick up. That won't be necessary, Jake. End the call, Chief. Now. 911, what is your emergency? Jesus Christ. He's. Frank's dead. They're gonna kill me, too. I got 911 on the phone, but what good's that gonna do me? These people are everywhere. Oh, shit. Look, I'm, I'm really sorry, my kid. My kid was playing with the, my phone again. I'm sorry for wasting your time. There's no emergency. Of course there isn't, Jake. Thank you for calling. Have a blessed day. The operator knew my name. Holy shit. They're monitoring everything. How am I gonna get out of this? Drop the phone and keep your hands up where we can see them, Jake. Sucks that we had to do the Burkhardt over there, but that's on you. Should've let it go. If you wanted answers, you should've just joined us, buddy. We're family. I only have one chance at this. <laughs> <laughs> I just... 
dove across the counter. Son of a bitch, Spruit's phoning me. I'm gonna kill him. I gotta get up and get out of here. There's probably an exit through the kitchen. All right, Jake. It's time to get up and run. Go. Made it to the door. You're almost out, Jake. You made it, you. Samantha. My God. It's her. She's right. Hello, Jake. I hear you were looking for me. Samantha, you... God damn it, my nose. Miss Winters, we can take it from here. That's all right, Chris. You and Edgar can go back to the hotel. I have a few questions for this one. I don't think that's a good idea. If he... And nobody cares what you think. Don't worry about me. I know how to clean up a mess. Okay, we're leaving. The Reverend won't like it, though. <clears throat> Samantha. Your family. They're worried about you. Oh, I'm sure they are. That's why they sent a little weasel like you. All they had to do was join the church. You a religious man, Jake Stone? I'm not drinking your reverence Kool-Aid, if that's what you're asking. No, of course not. Ignorance, fear, hate. I'm just trying to figure out why you're so filled with it. I'm not the first project of yours, Detective. Why are you doing this? Because I... It's important to me. Did a lover leave you for God? Maybe you tried to join us, but just couldn't handle it. Are you weak, Jake? Is that it? Broken. Like the rest of the world. Stop it. I have my reasons. And so do I. My family clearly didn't stop to think that I joined the church because it was what I wanted. And all that research into my past apparently didn't clue you in on it either. So... Let me make myself clear. She's pointing the gun at me. I gotta do something, but... I can't. I don't know why. I just... can't move. It's like... It's, it's like one of those goddamn dreams where you're being attacked by some monsters and you're paralyzed. I gotta do something. I gotta move. I love... John Hicks. And I love the Church of the One. And I especially love unity, Jake. You hear me? Did I get that through your thick skull? And I swear to God, anyone who tries to keep me away from the people I love will die.
9.53 a.m. So... So this is it. I'm just gonna lie here alone on the floor of some diner and bleed out. I'm sorry, Frank. I mean... I guess I'll be joining you. I hope it's heaven. I hope I never have to see these people again. I just... I thought I could help her. I didn't know. I listened to that recording of hers over and over again and just thought... I just thought I could... I see a door. It's not some pearly gate. No. It's like the ones in my dreams. The nightmares. It's got a number on it. 491. And I... I see letters now. Seashells. That's... That's what's on the door. Seashells. I reach my hand for the doorknob, even though I know that I can't reach it, and it... It's opening. There's a light coming out of the door. It's warm. I can hear... Is that the beach? What a bizarre thing to witness before I die. I was supposed to call Samantha's parents and tell them what I found out. I wonder what I would say. Probably that Samantha Winters is dead. And they'd cry. And they'd be heartbroken. But maybe... Maybe not as heartbroken as the truth. I can't see anything now. I can't feel. The door is closing behind me. I can hear it and... Why does this place always smell like ass? I snorted. I looked from Rhonda's golden retriever sniffing at the discarded fry container to my friend's face. Her nose wrinkled, and her eyes darted around at the small mounds of debris lining the beach on either side of the boardwalk. I swear, it gets worse every year. Why do you insist on coming every year if you don't like how it smells? Someday soon, this will all be gone. Rhonda indicated the trash-strewn sand and oily water, sluggishly lapping at more trash ten feet away. We glanced out over the ocean. Plastic bags, bottles, and food containers as far as the eye could see. 
Rhonda's side. Imagine what it must have looked like before humans ruined it. Beautiful, if that poster you hung over your desk is any indication, I said. Giving the leash in my hand a slight yank when Goldie Hawn tried to wander off the boardwalk in pursuit of some small, scurrying animal. Sure was. Then... Rhonda gave a wistful smile that disappeared when she surveyed the garbage again. I heard the government plans to clean it up. They want to make it usable again. It's too late for that, isn't it? That's what everyone says. Global warming will wipe us all out in the next century. Goldie tossed his head and snorted as if he too was disappointed with humanity. The boardwalk groaned under our feet, the wood brittle from baking in the Philadelphia heat for too many years. I mean, just a couple of decades ago, the ocean shoreline was hundreds of miles away from here. This is depressing. Let's talk about something else. Rhonda moaned. What else is there to talk about besides how we killed the planet and it's slowly murdering us in return? Rhonda turned her gaze sharply on me. Knowing I would wither under that gaze, I kept my attention on the wagging tail in front of us. Goldie loved walking along the boardwalk. The sights and smells had to be better than Rhonda's one-bedroom Pittsburgh apartment. If I didn't know any better, I'd think this was funny to you. I saw her squint at me out of the corner of my eye for good measure. I almost started laughing for real. Never, I said when I regained my composure. The state of the world is a depressing thing. Like I said, Rhonda agreed. We should be getting back. We glanced up at the hazy sun simultaneously. It's getting late, and I've got to work tomorrow. Vacation over. I frowned at the garbage-strewn landscape. There's always next year. You hope. We walked the rest of the way in silence the hot sun turning our foreheads into gushing rivers of sweat. My skin began to itch under the soggy band of my baseball cap. I did my best to ignore it as I brushed down Goldie before letting him hop up in the back seat of the autopod. When I turned to let Rhonda know I'd ride in the back this time, she was still standing at the boardwalk. Be right back, I said to Goldie, shut the door, and jogged across the steaming asphalt lot. What's up? Rhonda was staring at the ground. She bent forward and retrieved something from a pile of trash. Brushing it free of sand and small pieces of garbage, she held it out for me to see. I blankly stared at the hard spiral, slightly larger than my friend's palm. Blunt spikes stood up along the outer edges. As Rhonda turned the thing over in her hands, I could see the larger end had an opening that was filled with dirt and trash. What is it? A seashell, she stated, as if it should have been obvious. I'd never seen a seashell before, so how should I know? You've seen pictures. None that have looked like that. The thing looked oily and smelled foul, like something had crawled inside and died. You should put it down before you get a disease. Rhonda smiled and dropped the shell into her purse. I can clean it up. Maybe the last seashell there ever was. I shook my head and followed Rhonda to the autopod. She crawled into the back seat before I could say anything, so I went around to the other side and got in the front. We settled back in the comfortable seats and let the vehicle take us home.
With the slanting rays of the sun warming the side of my face through the darkened windows, I quickly fell asleep, not waking until we arrived in Pittsburgh several hours later. See you tomorrow, Travers, Rhonda said as she let Goldie out. I bit back a yawn and waved from the front seat. As the pair disappeared into her building, I told the autopod my address across town. When I arrived, I blundered into my own apartment where I quickly undressed and fell into bed. I slept until morning. And began my Monday ritual of self-loathing, hitting the snooze button until I was nearly late, rushing about like an escaped prisoner because I slept too long, and running to the bus stop before the vehicle could pull away from the curb. Rhonda and I had worked in separate departments of the call center, so I didn't have cause to see her until lunch. In the cafeteria, I stood in line the requisite five minutes until I was served a slimy turkey sandwich and stale chips. Rhonda usually beat me to the table under the window, but today I was there first. I waited several minutes before digging into my food. When the lunch hour was nearly over and she still hadn't showed or texted that she got caught up in work, I shot her a text that went unanswered. I swung by management on the way back to the sales floor. Rhonda's receptionist desk was empty. Not wanting to get in trouble for being somewhere I wasn't supposed to be, I didn't bother going in to see if someone knew where she was. I'd stop by her place on the way home from work to see if she was sick and needed soup. buzzer to Rhonda's apartment rang and rang and rang. I sent a volley of texts, then called when she didn't answer those either. My call went to voicemail after four rings. I didn't have any other choice but to leave a message and hope she would get back to me soon. I took the bowl of chicken noodle and hailed an autopod to take me home. Tuesday's routine was much like Monday. I tramped past management again on my way to my desk. Rhonda was still out. Lunch was a solo affair with yet another slimy sandwich and stale chips. I called Rhonda on every break, but she never answered. It wasn't like her to ignore me, even if she was sick. I mean, we had been friends since high school and always gave each other play-by-plays when we were ill, seeing who could gross out the other the fastest. She didn't answer when I rang her apartment buzzer after work. Wednesday went by in much the same fashion, but I caught a break when I waited outside her apartment after work. Around 7.30, a tenant came out, and I snuck in before the door could close. Rhonda's apartment was on the sixth floor. The elevator hadn't worked in the eight years that she'd lived in this dump, so I was forced to take the stairs, and by the time I reached her floor, I was huffing and puffing as bad as the time I had tried to run track in our junior year. 
Rhonda had always been the athletic one. I was much better as a cheerleader from the sidelines. I slid the extra key from its hiding space at the bottom of the door. Rhonda liked to forget her keys on the kitchen counter, so I convinced her to keep a spare, but she wanted to place it under the doormat, but I knew that would be the first place any burglar would look, so I, I cut away a small piece at the bottom of the doorframe. No, no one would ever think to look there. The door swung soundlessly open. The smell hit me first. Shit and piss. Covering my nose and mouth with my shirt, I stepped inside, closing the door behind me so Goldie wouldn't run out. Rhonda? A muffled thump was my answer. The curtains were drawn, leaving the place in deep shadows. I flipped the light switch near the door and glanced around the front room. Goldie's tail thumped against the side of his crate. Now, Rhonda only put Goldie in his crate at night. I went over to him and I opened the door. He crawled out on shaking legs and promptly lay down on the carpet, his tail thumping half-heartedly. I realized the smell came from the crate. His back end was covered in dry shit. I peered into his water bowl in the crate to find it empty when I bent down to scratch his head. Warm brown eyes stared up at me as he tried to wag his tail. Have you been in there all week? Goldie licked my hand once. Poor guy. Standing to my feet. I filled Goldie's water dish and placed it before him. He lapped to the tap water without raising his head. Where's your mama? The dog didn't answer. I turned to the closed bedroom door and took the seven steps to it. My hand paused on the knob. Uncertainty pulsed through me. What if she was with a guy? That wasn't something I wanted to see. What if she was violently ill? Just just the smell of vomit could make me start gagging, and I hated throwing up. Goldie's tail thumped on the carpet. My eyes shot to him lying half-starved and covered in his own feces. I made the decision. I opened the door. Allowing the light from the living room to filter into the bedroom. What the hell? Glistening white strings crisscrossed the entire room, basked in the setting sun filtering through the blue gauze curtains. The damn things clung to my forearm when I waded into the maze. Loose tendrils floated on the air like cotton on a breezy day. I approached the bed where the strings were thickest. Something long was wrapped up tight, womanly curves accentuated by how close the strings were to the body. Rhonda? I called to the unmoving lump. She didn't answer, so I tugged at the strings covering her face. After two minutes I had made little headway, I left the bedroom to grab a knife from the kitchen. Goldie's thumping tail drew my attention. He was attempting to stand, lips pulled back in a snarl. She's stuck, I've got to help her. 
He had to understand that even if he was only a dog. I stopped before I made it back to the bed. Staring at me from every corner of the room were hundreds, possibly thousands, of tiny eyes. Knife forgotten in my hand, I dumbly stood in the doorway watching the creatures watch me. They looked like spiders, with long spindly legs and tiny round bodies. But they were the most luminous shade of crimson. Without taking my eyes from the spiders, I felt for the light switch on my right, flicking up the knob. The light bounced off the spider webs as brilliantly as sun on fresh snow. I had to shade my eyes with a hand and step back from the brilliance. A low hissing emanated from the spiders. Growing louder in volume each second I remained in the room. Taking a hesitant step forward, I reached out with the knife. Before I could touch Rhonda, several spiders leaped from their webs. They floated on unseen silk threads to the bed and scuttled towards me. Wasn't my proudest moment. But I screeched like a little girl, dropped the knife, and ran from the room, throwing the door closed behind me. That's when you called us, the officer in front of me interrupted. I tore my eyes from the open front door of Rhonda's apartment. The uniformed cop was staring at me, much like the spiders had inside the bedroom. A shiver ran through my body at the thought of what those things had done to my friend. Will she live? Sergeant Lawson glanced at the door and then back at me. The doctors were determined that at the hospital. Can I go now? I'd like to take Goldie to the vet to get checked out. Sure. Just one more question. I sighed. More than ready for this terrible day to be over and so tired of answering the questions that had been thrown at me for the past four hours. After all, I had found my best friend of fifteen years cocooned in a crazy spider's web and nearly dead from lack of water and multiple spider bites. What is it? You said it was a seashell Rhonda brought home? I nodded. Hmm. I scrubbed my face with my hands. Why? The cop shrugged. We still have some webs to sift through. But I didn't see a shell of any kind anywhere in the apartment. Sergeant Lawson left me standing alone in the hall when his partner called to him. I stared after the man for several long moments trying to process what he had said. How could a seashell just disappear? Goldie whimpered, bringing me back to the present moment. Yeah, let's go. I picked up his leash and led him down the stairs where I hailed an autopod and took him to the 24-hour emergency vet a few blocks away. Whining woke me in the pre-dawn hours two days later. My bedroom door creaked open and I felt the mattress shift as something heavy jumped in bed with me. 
Without opening my eyes, I pulled a hand from under the warm covers and reached for Goldie. His wet nose met my fingers, warm tongue jutting out to lick me. I was too tired to stop him. Instead, I let sleep pull me back under. I next woke to someone murmuring. My eyes popped open to find a human shape sitting in the dark and petting Goldie. What the hell? I yelped and attempted to sit up. Something sticky kept my limbs from moving. Good. You're awake. Rhonda? It had sounded like my best friend. Kind of. Holds tend to warp people's voices when they're sick. That was the only similarity my sleep-addled mind could think of. How were you here? Why didn't you visit me in the hospital? There was a scratchiness to her voice that made it deeper than it should have been. I, I, I did. The doctor said you passed in the ambulance before you ever arrived. Tears stung my eyes at the memory, how helpless I'd felt staring down at her lifeless body covered in spider bites. Doctors don't know anything. I, I, I'm pretty sure they know when someone's dead. The bed shook as Rhonda stood. Obviously not. I'm here, aren't I? But how? I struggled against my unseen bonds. And why can't I move? You're the one. The only one. Rhonda's voice grew faint, then came close. Hot breath that smelled like rotting meat bathed my face. I tried to recoil, but a firm hand closed around my throat. What are you doing? Something wet and hard fell in my mouth. Thin, stick-like appendages moved at the edge of my lips, painfully jerking them open as something else reached inside and down my throat. I gagged repeatedly as the thing stretched further. Soft balls shot down my throat, colliding with the rising bile in my gut. Time stretched as whatever was happening happened. Rhonda's arms gripped me so tightly I wanted to cry out, but I couldn't stop gagging. She made retching noises of her own. Goldie's head lay across my groin. I could feel his hot breath swaft over my chest as he panted in time to the sounds coming from Rhonda's mouth. I swear I could have felt tiny legs scuttle over my body. The image of the spider standing guard over Rhonda in her bedroom jumped to mind. The vet had assured me Goldie hadn't been affected, but what if he'd been wrong? My vision began to go dark from lack of oxygen. I, I couldn't take any more. I was going to die. I was going to... It all stopped. The ball stopped shooting into me. The stick things retracted until all that remained was a burning sensation in my throat. Rhonda's groans and Goldie's pants slowed, then stilled completely. My vision cleared, although it was still too dark in the room to see anything besides shapes. What? I had to stop and swallow several times. My throat felt raw, violated. What? 
did you do to me? Uh, give it a few days. The eggs need to incubate for a time before they hatch. As she talked, the legs I felt earlier moved all over my body. Something, a net of some sort, was being woven around me. The more I struggled, the tighter it got. You'll see the world in a whole new light once the transformation is complete. What transformation? As soon as I said the words, dozens of tiny mouths bit into my skin. I tried to buck them off. My arms and legs were already tightly bound together. And when I tried to cry out, a sweaty hand covered my mouth. After several long moments, the pain from the spider bites subsided. I knew now, without a doubt, that's what they were. The same spiders that cocooned my best friend in their webs and had somehow transformed her into something else were roving over my body. And they were cocooning me in the same fashion. As the pain dulled, so did my senses. I began to feel lightheaded and dizzy. My limbs became heavy. They didn't feel attached to my body anymore. A foul taste formed on the back of my tongue. I tried to swallow, but my mouth didn't want to cooperate. Every part of my body felt wrong. Detached or something. Wrong. Shh, don't speak. There will be plenty of time for that after. After... After the venom transforms you, the same as it did to me. I had to close my eyes. My eyelids became too heavy to keep open. The blood in my veins turned sluggish, too thick to move. My chest barely rose. Breathing hurt. Thoughts were too much of a struggle. Mind drifted. Images too quick and fleeting for my brain to comprehend. A rushing sound filled my ears. Numbful bliss. At least it wasn't a painful death. If I stopped struggling, I could imagine I was drifting off to sleep. Covers tied around me as if my mom had tucked me in. There had been so many things I wanted to do with my life. So many places to see. None of it mattered now. Time ceased to exist. I could just drift for eternity. Seashells, written by Candace Green and performed by Alastair Mackey as Travers, Aaron Lillis 
as Rhonda, and me, Jason Wilson, as Sergeant Lawson. The Jake Stone series was written by Brian Black and performed by Mark Witten as Jake Stone, David O'Steele as Frank, Kelly Nianaltowski as the waitress and the 911 operator, Sarah Thomas as Samantha Winters, Graham Rowett as both Chris and Edgar. Good job, Graham. And Aaron King and Christina Wilson split Delphi. Artwork for Seashells was by Cassie Pertit. Promotional art for the episode was by Brooks Bigley and Graham Rowett. Musical composition was by the maestro, J.M. Scherf. Audio design and sound engineering was by me, Jason Wilson. We thank you ever so much for taking the time to give us a listen. This is our Halloween episode, so we do hope that it did what it needs to do. Kind of give you some chills. We are working on season two and making lots of progress. We look forward to being able to deliver it very soon. Plus, Bane is back active again in the Patreon. So if you'd like a little bit extra from the Grey Rooms, jump on over to patreon.com forward slash Grey Rooms and sign up. And uh, why don't you go ahead and tell a bunch of people about us. After all, we've been nominated for some awards and we have you to thank for that. Again, thanks for listening and we'll see you in a few weeks.